Hello, and welcome to College Planning Simplified. I'm your host, Ariel Villanueva from Advantage College Planning. More than ever, people are looking for guidance to navigate through the college admissions process. On this show, I sit down with admissions reps and consultants to discuss the ideas, the opportunities, and the strategies to take advantage of so you can simplify college planning. In this episode of College Planning Simplified, I'm joined by Lindsay Riggenbach from our Advantage College Planning team. Hey, Lindsay. Hi. Great to be here. I'm so excited to chat with you today. We are thinking of this time of year and hot topics. I feel like it's something that I've been chatting about with our team, and we keep getting a lot of the same questions from families. So I thought we could just kind of lay out a few of the most popular ones and have you kind of speak to some of our families on what we're hearing from like a hot topics perspective from admissions offices. Perfect. Awesome. So I'm just going to jump right in because hot topics, I feel like there is some like reason to be super quick with these. It's not like, (laughs) (laughs) it's not like a quick speed, but can you speak to our listeners a little bit about how students can strategically use their test scores, specifically thinking about test optional policies? Yeah, absolutely. This is a great hot topic. I feel like this has been a hot topic for a while. So now like maybe it's got this like slow burn (laughs) going on as we transition out of the pandemic and, and maybe a little into some normalcy, particularly when it comes to testing. So what we've seen in the past three years is that colleges have, you know, in the beginning, really jumped on board of a test optional um, community, asking students to decide if they want to send test scores or not, because we saw students not having opportunities to take tests at all, or even take them as frequently as they had hoped. Now, as we are transitioning back into opportunities for students to take tests as many times as they want. We're seeing some shifts, um, particularly from schools in our southern states, where they are requiring tests again. So our general advice to students is plan for, prepare for, practice for tests. Take the ACT, take the SAT, um, just as we had in the past. And then once students receive their scores back, if their college list does include schools that have test optional policies, students can be strategic about whether or not they share those test scores with those colleges on their list. General recommendation is if a student's test score is within the range of scores provided by that institution, then we encourage students to share their tests, even if it is a test optional situation. So I think we're kind of seeing students being able to to play with this a little bit where if they feel like they're a strong test taker and they do fall within the categories of a school's mid range of SAT or ACT scores, it's a smart idea to share those scores. However, we are still seeing that colleges are prioritizing a student's performance in high school. You know, we still see that grades and the rigor of coursework is key in the application process. So 
I, you know, I'm still advising students that if they're not the strongest test taker, that's okay. You know, focus on your day in and day out activities at school in terms of grades and, you know, pushing themselves within the classroom. We've been chatting with our students recently about their common apps and kind of choosing, like, you don't have to submit all of your testing at one time. Like you can pick and choose which school you send and test policies are still kind of changing a little bit, um, depending on some of the schools that maybe haven't shared what their testing updates are. I was actually working with a junior yesterday and she was like, oh, well, I have to send my test scores to all of my out-of-state schools. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, what do you mean? And she said, oh, well, I need to send them because they require the tests, right? And I was like, wait, let's look back at your list. So we looked at our list and I was like, no, the only school on your list is Tennessee. Like, let's talk about the rest of your list and the schools. And like you mentioned, like, let's look up the range and figure out what makes the most sense um, for testing. So I like the idea that it's still kind of being established in a way that we can decide what works best for each student. And it's not this like blanketed. Now, granted, there are some universities that are going to require testing and that's just the way that it is, which is what it was before um, Mm -hmm. and what it could be in the future, but we're not really sure about that right now. It kind of take it one year at a time, but that's helpful for our families to hear. And speaking of changes, this has been more recent, I would say within the news, it's becoming more pressing, I think, is getting out there where our families are asking about it a little bit more. But thinking about college ranking methodology, how should students and families really evaluate the value as it's relative to different colleges? Yeah, I love this topic because I think that this is something in the admissions world that um, has been kind of a... um, a source spot for colleges, for um, students, for um, you know people who work with students. College rankings are um, not always the you know uh, reflecting the the values that a student would have. Like a college could be ranked on how much money they receive from their alumni donors or how much their right you receive. Um, I think that it's natural for students and families to grab a hold of any metric they can. So if there's something that's going to tell them, well, this school is better than this school without the student or the family having to do the legwork of maybe being reflective and thoughtful about that and just easily grabbing on to the metric of, nope, this one's better because this publication tells me so. So I think as we're starting to see more prestigious institutions turn away from rankings or admit that rankings aren't valuable in um, evaluating a college for a student, I think that that's always going to be helpful. It does, however, require students to be more self-aware about what makes a school a good fit for them. So if they don't have a metric to turn to, instead they have to think about, well, okay, If I value a community where I feel supported, where I can collaborate with my peers, where I can be challenged in the classroom, and where I can participate in football games every Saturday, then that's a great fit to start from. And then students can kind of think about their college list 
focusing on the things that really matter to them and not focusing on just an easily grabbable headline that says that this college is better than that college. So I think that this means for students that they have to be a little bit more um, aware of what makes them successful. You know, when they think about their classroom experiences that they've had in high school and the classes that they've really loved and the content that they want more information about, or, you know, they want to be involved in a special program like an honors college or participate in a dual degree um, program in college, then that's what's going to make for a really great college list because the college list is made up of schools that all fit the students' values as opposed to colleges that are just randomly having some arbitrary ranking to it. Um, so I think this is a really good thing. I love that this is becoming a hot topic. And I think that this is really valuable um, for us to start that shift and really think about fit as opposed to rankings. Yeah. And from being on, right, for us being on the admission side of it, this is something that we're familiar with, right? But yeah. now that it is kind of coming to light for families and prospective students to really understand the business side of college and, and kind of where that makes rankings fall. I think it is awesome because it's shining a light in an area. Um, and then you brought up a great point, which is one of my favorite activities. I mean, we do a few when we're working with students is helping them figure out their fit. And mm -hmm. I find that early on in the process, they, they don't know, right? So it, it takes a lot of reflection and us working with them and activities and questions and really helping them define what are the areas that are most important to them from an academic standpoint, a social standpoint, maybe their family's financial standpoint, and helping them kind of define that, maybe refine it if it's something that they thought going in. And then hearing, especially when our students like understand what their fit is, go into our campus and are able to ask those questions that specifically pertain to the things that are most important to them. Um, one of my favorite things, like kind of seeing it all click for them is just yeah. so cool. I love that too. And I think this is really fun for this generation of students because out of, um, I don't know, you know, I've been working with students for over 20 years now. And I think this is really a cool generation of kids that really value authenticity and individualization. And so I think that students are more likely to be honest about what makes for a good fit and not go with just the trend of this school is really popular right now, or this school looks really flashy from, you know, this publication or something like that. And instead really think about, well, hey, that might work for you, but it doesn't work for me. And these are the things that I really care about. And I'm going to go ahead and pursue that because that's who I am. And that's okay. I feel like it's more okay for students to focus on fit. And I think families are starting to embrace that and starting to understand that there are so many colleges in the country and so many of them um, have such unique things to offer students that I think it's really fun for us to see students' college lists reflect what really matters to them. I love that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That authenticity piece is, is really neat. Mm -hmm. Okay, speaking of a little bit of the authenticity, because I find in my perspective, these 
these ideas of the admissions process. Some schools do have an authentic approach where they can really share, okay, these are some of the things that we're looking for. On the other hand, a lot of families will reach out and say, what does a college mean when they have a holistic admissions process? And could you kind of share what students should keep in mind when they're submitting their applications? Yeah, I the word holistic to me just always makes me laugh because I never think I I don't think I used that word ever once in my vocabulary until I started working in college admissions. And then Same. I use it every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's really it's a perfect word, right? There's nothing better than than um that like that that vocabulary which just really summarizes perfectly what the uh admissions process is when they do operate in a way that they evaluate everything in a student's application. It is holistic. It is looking at everything. Um, I would say that, you know, even schools who do practice holistic admissions are that, you know, as opposed to just using some type of formula where they enter in a student's GPA, possibly a test score, maybe they calculate a number to represent the rigor of a student's curriculum and, you know, kind of use a formulaic process. As opposed to that, when a college does use a holistic process, there's still an emphasis on academics, right? So we still see that colleges are valuing a student's ability to succeed in the classroom. Because as they're offering admissions to students, they are thinking about that first and foremost. Will this student thrive in our academic community? Will they be able to be um, engaged in our classroom experiences? Will they readily participate in other academic experiences like internships or research? So I think first and foremost, holistic does not mean not academic. Holistic still means that a student's um, academic record is still really important. However, what it does mean as we think about that academic record is that a college can dive more deeply into that academic record. So they can take into consideration things like grade trends or things like um, a student's strong ability in one discipline over another discipline or, um, you know, students taking on more rigorous classes early on in the process, maybe stumbling and failing, regrouping, and then bouncing back. So it just means that a student's academic record can be more uh, dissected, I guess I would say, in a way that helps an admissions officer really understand who that student is. They can take into consideration letters of recommendation, which may provide some insight into the student behavior in the classroom. So I would argue that holistic um, can sometimes be interpreted by families to mean, well, they'll value my extra cooker activities more than they'll value anything else. And that's not true. You know, we still know that a college is going to focus on their academic record. However, it does also mean that a uh, everything in the student's application is fair game. So if the student does you know, along with their academic record, have something else in their admissions application that reflects their, you know, ability to thrive or participate in certain communities or, you know, share something about themselves. That's also going to be a part of it so that the admissions office can get to know the student as a whole, um, not just in one facet or another. Um, yeah, Ariel, what do you tell me about your experiences and, and your thought process about that holistic application process too? 
It's funny though, because I've worked in admissions for almost 10 years. Prior to working at UNC Chapel Hill, I didn't know so much about the holistic view process and this idea and really coming to terms with understanding, at least from my time at UNC, that it really was holistic and that that word could be tossed around from an admission standpoint of like, oh yeah, we're holistic and people would put it in like quotes Mm-hmm. Right. But knowing that and, and your time too at UNC, like knowing that in particular, they really took holistic admissions and really said, no, we're we're saying this because we mean it. Right. Um, and and that was really kind of my first example and experience with it. But but you brought up a great word, and I think it's a fabulous way to explain it. And it really is dissecting, right? Mm-hmm. Looking at the whole student. One thing that we've used to say admissions is how can you kind of build this 3D image? And I might've shared this with our listeners before, but you're rooting for the student when you're reading their application, you're rooting for them and you want to build this 3D image of who they are as a person and take into account all of the things that they're sharing in the application process. So really dissecting the application does mean that you're taking in and reviewing everything that's there. So if there's something shared in the letter of recommendation, if the student lends a different perspective to who they are, maybe in a supplemental essay, it mm-hmm. might show in their activities. Um, those types of things help kind of bring to life the application. Yeah. But um, But I think you know, it depends on the school. And I think this is a valid question to ask or to kind of consider. I think one area that I've worked with with my students to kind of figure out what the school values is you can kind of do it from two approaches, right? Sometimes I might say to my student, well, let's look on their website and let's look at the class profile that they put out. What type of information are they reporting to you? Not so much like the common data set, right? I've talked about that before. Mm -hmm. on the podcast, that's like data driven. But from a class profile perspective, that is going to be some type of document graph number that the school is posting on their admissions page. And sometimes that can lend a little bit to what is a priority for them based on what they're sharing. Yeah. And I find that the schools that maybe are a little heavier and like, this is our GPA and this is our test score. That might be geared more towards their process. But I Mm -hmm. also think it's valid to to ask an admissions office and just say like, hey, what are your priorities for this cycle? Um, What is is something that you're viewing? And the school can can come back and say, yeah, we use a formula or we're looking heavily at your testing. Or they might say holistic. So if they say Mm -hmm. holistic, We'll go with Lindsay's <laughs> term, which I really like, which is dissecting your application. Right. Totally get that. <laughs> so you did mention extracurricular activities, and this yeah. is a big part of the application process. And one of my favorite areas to help students evaluate their contribution of commitment to the things that they do, whether it be in the classroom, extracurricular activities that are like academic, right? Or things that they do outside of the classroom, hobbies, family responsibilities, sports, whether it's volunteer work. I mean, you name it, really 
there are so many options for extracurricular activities. So can you share a little bit more about your process in helping students prioritize their extracurricular activities and then also building a strong extracurricular profile? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the best advice to give to students in regards to extracurricular activities is to not think about the college admissions process at all when they're making decisions about how to spend their time. Because I think that creates this artificial pressure or this um, fakeness about, you know, doing things that they want or don't want to do. And instead, students should make decisions about how they spend their time based on how they want to spend their time and based on the idea of developing themselves as people, right? So developing their character, developing their ability to empathize with others, to contribute to their community. So I kind of like to take the admissions piece out of it and, you know, ask a student, if you, if you didn't put any extracurricular activities on an application, like let's pretend colleges don't care about extracurricular activities at all, would you still do the things that you do? And if the student says yes, then awesome. Then you're doing the right things and you're you're spending your time doing things that you love and value. On the other hand, I do know that in some cases, it is helpful for students to be somewhat encouraged or <laughs> led to do some things because it does help them grow. And that's appropriate, I think, when we think about teenagers and where they are in their time of life. I think it's easy for us to, um, you know, just, we don't want our students to be coasting or just watching Netflix. You know, we do want them to stretch and to build and to do things that will um, help them grow as people. But that's where I, I think I start in that process. And I work with students who have identified passions or interests really young in life and just have continued those. And that's just who they are. It's just a piece of them. And there's no way that they couldn't prioritize those things. You know, if we have a student who has been a dancer forever, dance is going to be their top priority or anything else. And then I have students who just are, are thinking about their interests. And so in helping them prioritize what they like to do, I think Asking them questions that allow them to reflect on those activities, help them to prioritize their time. So if they know that they are developing leadership skills by being involved in this organization or club, then helping them think about those skills and talk about those skills because students need to practice talking about their feelings and talking about, you know, the things that they're developing as they grow, then I think that that's a, a good way to lead a student to have an understanding of what they should prioritize. Yeah, that's where I start from. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really good. And you bring up the idea too of like exploring and that's really key is like students need to know that it's okay to kind of spread out and try new things and see if it's a good fit. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when I'm chatting with my students, they're like, oh, well, can I just, can I do that randomly in like the middle of 10th grade? And I'm like, why not? Right. <laughs> like try yeah. that club, see if you like it, exactly. um, try that thing. And if you don't, then find what the next thing is. Like, it's mm -hmm. really this, this mantra of like, you don't know if you don't try. Yes, exactly. Yep. I love that. Well, yeah. this has been really helpful. Well, I would yeah. say 
I mean, they're hot topics, but they're topics that I think will resonate with students and with parents if you're listening at really any stage of the process of where you're at right now Mm -hmm. in in college planning. So hopefully this was helpful. And as a reminder, if you like what you're listening to, go ahead and subscribe to us for all of our awesome content on the podcast. And Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. This was so fun.